Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today on Housing Wire Daily, I'm joined by Managing Editor James Kleiman to talk about the layoffs and even shutdowns we're seeing at some mortgage lenders right now. James broke the story that Sprout Mortgage was shutting its doors several days ago and is now working on a story about which lenders might be hiring. James, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Sarah. Good to be with you. Great to have you. We have had a lot of news in the last even 24 hours, so let's get right to it. Uh, Sprout Mortgage. Yeah, so Sprout is a uh, a lender based out in Long Island in Melville. Very nice town, if anyone's from the area. Uh, Shout out to Melville. It's it's mostly known as a non-QM lender. They do a bunch of other types of lending, but that, that's really kind of its, its claim to very minor fame, I would say. Uh, found out about Michael Strauss, veteran of the industry, bit of a checkered past in some respects. We'll get to that a little bit later, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, they, they've been one of the most aggressive players in the non-QM space over the last two years. You know, certainly it's, it's a growing business in general, but there's been a lot of volatility in that space with, with, you know, just rates having been all over the place over the last few months. And, and really, you know, as we've talked about in the past, Sarah, it's, it's really difficult if you're a non-QM lender, you need a lot of liquidity, you need to be able to sell loans fast. Hopefully you can make it at a profit. Hopefully you can make it at par. But if not, you either hold these on your books or you sell it at a loss and you still need the liquidity to cover your operations, right? So what we heard, Sarah, is that it was a very abrupt process that the president of Sprout had a conference call. It was slated to be at four o'clock. It ended up being at four thirty. It was a very quick phone uh, call, and he basically said, "We're shutting down today." Severance was not issued uh, today, Thursday. The time that we're recording this was supposed to be the day in which they were to receive paychecks, and um, paychecks didn't come. And so, you know, you have a few hundred people who were let go with no warning, no notice. And um, and they didn't get paid for the work that they had done, and so this this cuts across the wholesale, correspondent, retail. Um, everybody was affected. You know, I, ironically, we had at Housing Wire. You know, we, we have award programs, and one of their senior leaders had received an award, and um, and and Sprout that very day on Wednesday had put out a message on LinkedIn congratulating this executive on receiving this award, and just a few hours later, she. And hundreds of other people were, were, you know, locked out of the systems and, and didn't have a job. And uh, so we're, we're continuing to do reporting on the story. But again, this is the second fairly good-sized non-QM lender over the last few weeks that has, that has shut down and, and done so very abruptly. You know, at the First Guarantee Mortgage Corporation, backed by PIMCO, we've seen, I believe it's four or five lawsuits already from uh, former employees who say that they've been wronged, some of whom, you know, were, were part of the layoffs just two weeks ago. This is just so rough. We, you know, we hate seeing this. It's a reality of the kind of cyclical market that we're in. People in our industry understand that, but it, it's still rough to see and rough to think about those people who, 
you know, are struggling right now who, who uh, didn't know that was coming. It reminds me of like back in the, the last time we saw that kind of thing happen, although they didn't shudder. But as far as the non-QM was back in March of 2020, right? When we had a lot of the non-QM lenders, the um, wholesale lenders suspended their non-QM funding. And so we had, we, we wrote an article that said, did non-QM just disappear from the market, which mentioned Sprout, which was one of the very few holdouts at that point. But they had just, they were one of the last ones to say, yeah, we're, we're, we're not doing this. And then the next, I think two days later, uh, a day later, we were like, yes, non-QM just disappeared from the market. So it was it, it's rough to see that. And, and this is the kind of opportunity that a lot of lenders feel like this is actually their opportunity in this time, right? As purchase is now king, and you've got to find people who maybe were shut out before or, you know, a little bit outside the credit box or they're self-employed or whatever. So non-QM was kind of the uh, one of the bright spots. Yeah. I, I mean, in a lot of respects, non-QM, you know, similar to the challenges in 2020, it was issues of liquidity that the market dried up for them. And um, very few of them had the kind of capitalization needed to withstand losses for a prolonged period or had a backer that was willing to to backstop the losses for long enough to survive into a next cycle. And, you know, non-QM obviously not as big in, in terms of volume as as conventional or, or, you know, a lot of other loan products, but they still rely on volume. You know, like you can't just do like 35, like, you know, big, big non-QM loans out there and, and expect to survive. And so, yeah, you know, they're, they're very much, um, if they don't hedge correctly, they're in serious problems. If their investors, you know, don't, don't accept the terms, they're in trouble. They can't just eat the loans, you know, time after time. And so, at a certain point, if you don't have the money to pay your staff or to pay your creditors or, you know, depending on your setup, your investors, I mean, it's, it's, it's a race against time for non-QM unless you've been really diligent in your strategy. And, you know, I, I don't know the ins and outs of their capital market strategy. It's not for me to say if they made any fatal errors or any major missteps that led to, uh, you know, such an abrupt shutdown. But, but certainly, you know, people in the industry feel that this is, I don't know if I'd say the tip of the iceberg, but but certainly that Sprout and FGMC are not going to be the only non-QM lenders uh, that are going to shut down abruptly over the next few months unless we see a return of actual very concrete stability. You know, the last few months really have been mostly driven by mortgage rates and the spreads have been really, really volatile and really, really tricky to navigate. And, and you know, these are seasoned teams. These are not like, you know, four dudes in a garage in California who set up shop last week, you know, these are experienced mortgage professionals, you know, and, and a lot of them in, in this space are not hugely capitalized, you know, not everybody is, is, you know, a uh, backed by a private equity firm with billions and billions of dollars. And so we're, we're going to really, uh, I think, start to see some of the challenges uh, that has gotten to these two probably permeate another parts of mortgage lending too. You know, FGMC last week was really, um, you know, a story that we continued to report on the the follow-up developments of kind of what happened there. Do you want to give us a little bit of a, a wrap on that? And then we'll talk about the two other lenders who also had layoffs this week. Yeah. So First Guarantee Mortgage Corporation, you know, they, they similar to Sprout, they do different types of lending as well. They do conventional, they do some government lending, but they were really known for a lot of non-QM. They shut down backed by PIMCO, I want to say it was Friday, two weeks ago. And very quickly thereafter, they they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. 
And it's, you know, the options are chapter 11 or chapter 7. Chapter 11 suggests maybe that there is some chance that they could reorganize and come back. None of the people that I've spoken to believe that we're going to see another iteration of FGMC. I mean, they, they the way in which they conducted the shutdown left a pretty bad taste in a lot of mouths in the industry. I, I think it would be really difficult. They also owe creditors, you know, quite a bit of money and they have a pipeline, I heard it was like something like 500 million or so in unfunded loans. And so, you know, the, those loans need to go somewhere. You know, it's it's hard to imagine that this is uh, a company that can become a phoenix in, in the near, medium or long term. But, you know, it's, it's backed by one of the biggest asset managers in the world, PIMCO. And, and so you have to think that if they've been working on, on a mortgage strategy as an asset manager over the last few years, they're probably going to return to it in some form. You know, mortgage is cyclical and investment in mortgage similarly is cyclical. And, and um, there's still a lot of dry powder out there. And so institutional investors are looking for returns. Right now, they're not finding them in mortgage, but who knows? Maybe they'll, uh, they'll reemerge as like an MSR shop. Interesting to look at that. And, and then this week, we had two other lenders who announced further layoffs. And I think it's really interesting. You had Wells Fargo and New Risk. So you have a depository and another kind of lender. I mean, like this is across the board. This is hitting everybody. Yeah. I, I, you know, the, not everybody. <laughs> I, I think if you talk to Rocket UWM, they'll, they'll be very loud in saying we haven't actually laid anybody off. I mean, they have their own ways of reducing, you know, their, their staffing levels, not through layoffs per se, but, but, you know, they're not as big as they were a year ago. I, I think that's fair to say. But yeah, the reality, Sarah, is that these are companies that do not have the volume to support the staffing levels that they have. And they've been making cuts pretty regularly since the volatility started and, and the slowdown, especially with refis. You know, refis were down massively. Overall originations for a lot of these companies were down anywhere between, you know, 20%, which would be a good number. Uh, which I, I think shows you how dire the problem is. Some of these companies rocket down 50% year over year in originations in the first quarter, uh, according to S&P Global. And you know, UWM was down, I think it was 30 something percent. You know, a, a lot of these big lenders, Freedom Mortgage uh, does a lot of government lending, right? They were down 75% year over year. Of course, the highs from this time last year, probably never going to be achieved again in this you know, in the next few mortgage cycles, I, I can't see a scenario in which you have kind of this perfect storm of events colliding at once. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think the anticipation was um, the fall would be so hard so fast. And so they're all, almost all, laying off staffers and, and redistributing their teams and, and figuring out different ways of cutting budgets. You know, we see a lot of renegotiation of comp. We see a lot of people moving into different roles. We see thousands and thousands of uh, people apply for a single job listing right now. I've been working on a series, Sarah, about the thousands of people who are looking for work in the mortgage industry right now. Uh, many of them laid off as early as January. And the story is pretty much entirely the same. They will send out anywhere between 100 and 500 resumes in a month. They will possibly get a call back from five or six of them. Of those five or six, the interview will only happen with two or three of them. Like just no explanation, just as the kids say, ghosting uh, is very common. And, uh, and the interview will go well and they'll think maybe this is it. And nothing, they hear nothing or they hear that 
sorry, you know, we found somebody who was better qualified. And these are people in some cases who have done these jobs for 30 years, who have every certificate, who have worked at big organizations, small organizations, done non-QM banks they've been borrowing, vanilla loans, you know, underwriting, processing, due diligence, like you name it, who have done almost every job outside of being an LO in the industry. And they're told, I'm sorry, we found somebody who's more qualified than you. And and it sort of defies imagination. But you know, it's uh it's it's such a tough job market out there. And and now we're we're hearing of, you know, another five hundred job losses because of Sprout today. So it's only going to get tougher. And I, I don't know anyone who thinks that things are going to pick up dramatically, you know, over the next two quarters. No, you're right. So what do you, I know you've been talking to a ton of people, you've been doing great sourcing on this story. What are some of the compensation differences that are, you know, if you are, if you are keeping your job for not being laid off, are, are most people seeing comp differences? Yeah, we're, we're seeing a lot of big comp differences. So, you know, a lot of processors receive big bonuses, you know, not, not big compared to LOs in a lot of cases, but, but we're seeing pretty healthy bonuses based on volume and productivity in 2020 and 2021. A lot of those bonuses are no longer there, or if they are, they're slashed pretty dramatically. You know, a few people have told me the message is, is, and they never say this directly, you should be grateful for having a job, you know, so like, don't even think about a bonus this year. In the case of underwriters, no secret that underwriters were in extreme demand in 2020, you know, when, when I think people started to realize in, I want to say it was like May, that like, oh no, the mortgage market isn't going to collapse. In fact... This could be the greatest market anyone has ever seen in the history of mortgage. And so they were in such high demand. Volume was incredible. You know, they were under capacity uh, and uh, limited capacity to, to execute these loans. And so in some cases, underwriters were getting like $20,000, $30,000 bonuses, right? They, they practically write their own paychecks and, um, you know, and, and, and good salaries as well. And so many of them jumped around. Those that jumped around, you know, now that the volume is gone, the underwriters are among the first who who are uh, left out in the cold. You know, they're they're typically operation staff is almost always the first line that is removed uh, from the budgets. And you know, it's it's difficult because you talk to the people and and even some who have been through these cycles before. It's 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 a very lonely place. You know, it's people internalize it. People think, oh, if I'd only done this differently, or if if this was you know something I could put on my resume, maybe I would have still have this job and, and there's a lot of pride and, and a lot of people have you know, have, have seen their mental health start to decline. So it's it's really sad to see. But in almost every case, these are, and, and I know this sounds cold, but most of them were numbers on and names on a spreadsheet. You know, they were just, okay, we have to lay off 150 people in underwriting. And you are one of those 150 people. It's almost never personal. That doesn't make it easier. It doesn't mean that someone's going to give you a callback. So um, a lot of them are, are working with resume coaches. A lot of them are uh, trying to to network through LinkedIn and through professional networks. I, I talked to someone who uh, got her career started at Bear Stearns, you know, way back in the 80s. And that's a really strong network even today. You know, a lot of successful people from that company went on to do really interesting things at different places afterward. And so she's leveraging that as, as you know, a, a potential source of job leads going forward. But yeah, the, the reality is a, a lot of them are going to have to take paycheck uh, pay cuts because that kind of money just isn't there anymore. You know, it's not, nobody's making a million a year uh, in, in some of these jobs and, and they, they weren't in underwriting or processing, obviously, but it's uh, it's a totally different environment. 
Now you found some employers, or at least one employer who who is hiring, but the problem was they, I mean, they just got inundated so much. Tell us a little bit about on the other side, the people who are looking to hire, what what is their what's their experience been? Yeah, I talked to a few people. You know, we, we do see there are some job opportunities in non-QM, despite everything that you've heard for the last 15 minutes or so. There, there are still non-QM lenders that are hiring out there. There are people who work in wholesale who are hiring, you know, account executives. There are people who are hiring LOs. LOs are still very much in demand in some places. But um, I, I talked to someone who had a job for a processor and uh, the job was up for three days, the listing, and there were over 1,500 applicants. And what a lot of these companies do, you know, I mean, no one could go through 1,500 job applications, right? And I would actually bet a lot of those people are qualified and could absolutely do that job. So they, they have a different kind of challenge, which is how do we even figure out, like, if I have, let's say, even 200 qualified candidates, how could I ever determine, you know, who who I should give this job to? And, um, and that's, you know, what a lot of them do now is they have these extreme filters set up. Um, and so they're, they're all about keywords. And if your keyword doesn't say encompass on it, for example, or, you know, whatever, if you don't have the certain certificate, you're just, you're never, your application will never be seen. And that's a really hard reality for people who are sitting there sending out hundreds of applications a day thinking, what am I doing wrong? Like, what, what's wrong with me? Why, why, why can't I get a job? I, you know, been through bad cycles before, but it's never been like this. Yeah, that is so rough. So you mentioned Bear Stearns. Where, like, what is the alternative if you're an all if you're an underwriter in more? Say you're a processor underwriter or in operations and mortgage. Where else might you look for a job? Like, what else? You know, what's the parallel there? I, I'm sure there. You know, I know there are underwriters who process for all different kinds of loans. You think about car loans, but I know that 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 is also undergoing. That industry is also going a lot of a lot of change right now, not in a good way. Um, just seeing a lot of volume fall as well. So, I mean, do people mention about like, hey, this is a great parallel? Yeah, it, it depends who you talk to. You know, a lot of people get into the industry because it, they came from somewhere else, maybe a related field. Maybe they worked on, you know, a, a, at a bank branch and they did, you know, personal loans or they did car loans or in some cases they did insurance. Um, and, and that's kind of a common one that you see nowadays is that there are insurance underwriting positions. There are processor type positions for kind of, you know, everyday finance or insurance or, um, you know, insure tech companies. So there are opportunities there. But again, you, you have a lot of the same problem where you're competing against a huge number of people who are looking for a very select number of jobs. So it's difficult. Some people are, are going to leave the industry entirely. Um, that happens in every cycle. Um, but in previous cycles, typically with someone who had only done this for a few years and, and it hadn't been their, you know, clear career, you know, they'd maybe jumped around from, from, you know, different types of sales or operations or, or what have you. But in a lot of these cases, you know, I'm, I'm talking to people who have done this for 10, 15 years and who have been out of work since February or March and say, uh, <laughs> you know, at, at least in previous cycles, I would at least have leads. I would at least have, you know, networking opportunities. I, I at least felt like it was just a matter of time before this turned. But but now, and, and given that the market is still very choppy, even though rates are starting to, to drop a little bit back into the, you know, the mid fives, it's, 
it's not looking brighter for them. James, thanks so much. And I wanted to point out that a lot of this information, you know, is we, we write stories about it. We also write EdNotes in a Lending Life newsletter, which is really aimed at loan officers, comes out four times a week, kind of has some of these inside information bits in there, which you get by talking to people all over the industry and in, in all different ways, written by you and some of our reporters. So just wanted to encourage people to sign up for Lending Life at housingwire.com. And we will be looking forward to that story coming out on where people might look for people who are hiring in this industry really excited about that. And thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much, Sarah. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.